Hello everyone and welcome to A New Direction. My name is Jay Izzo and oh, oh, I love it. When somebody comes back to the show, they are no longer a guest, they are family. You know, it's kind of like, you know, that person that you know in your life where, you know, you don't have to tell them, you tell them actually, please do not ask me to go into my refrigerator. Just go to my refrigerator, get the drink, get the food, get whatever it is you want out of my refrigerator. Just don't ask me anymore because you're family. Well, guess what? Rob Jollis is back. Oh, Mr. Excitement. Yes, he is. He's back. I'm telling you, the shiny dome, the whole thing, it's fantastic. I am so freaking excited. I love him. He's not just... He's not just a friend. I feel like we've got this weird synergy thing between him and I where we were separated at birth. But we didn't know it a few years apart. But we were. it was just that I stayed around a little bit longer, so I let him go first. But anyway, that's the way it kind of feels with him is that we're just kind of like two brothers from the same mom, but our moms don't even know that. Anyway, the show's going to be great. Look, we're going to have a great time, and, and the book is entitled How to Change Minds. For those of you who are watching on... Uh, Facebook Live right now, and thank you everybody who's joining us right now. Uh, How to Change Minds is the book, and listen, before you go, oh, I'm not into manipulation, stop it. Rob would never manipulate anybody. Would you get over yourself? This is about influencing people, and people need you to influence them. And before you say, hey, but Jay, I'm not in sales. No, shut up, you all. We all are in sales. Listen, I have to sell my wife on me, okay, every single day. So I promise you, you're selling somebody something. Sometimes if you have children, you're gonna have to sell your children on doing homework, right? So we're all in sales. How do we change minds? It's great read, absolutely great read, comprehensive. I'm telling you, this is gonna be a great book, and we're gonna enjoy it. And Rob's gonna be a lot of fun to talk to. So we're gonna be doing that this 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 afternoon, and and whenever you're listening here on a podcast, uh, we thank you for doing that as well. But let's do what we do every week, right? And that is, we check in with you in the four areas of your life. You know how I feel. And I believe this, I am convicted of it, and that is that we are four-part people. We are physical people, we are mental people, we are emotional people, and we are spiritual people. And I and we are all in different places in our life in all four of those areas. So I want to check in all four of those areas with you right now. So on a scale of one to ten, one being miserable, ten being couldn't be any better, all right? Where are you at physically today, right now? Wherever you're listening to me right now, I'm just asking you out there, where are you at with that, right? How are you feeling? Right, you feel pretty good. You about a, that, you know, like maybe a five. You feel pretty good. Maybe you've been a little under the weather. You know, maybe it's a four or three. Maybe you know, you know, I haven't been doing what I should be doing to take care of my body, right? And so you maybe that makes you a four, right? Maybe you're listening to me right now as you're driving in the car, and your your hand, your hand right now, your right hand is in that bag of chips. Get it out of there right now, okay? <laughs> Whatever it is. Where are you right now in that scale of one to 10? And then I got to ask you, what are you going to do about it, right? What are you going to do? What are you going to change? What is it going to take you to change? What can you do right now? Can you take that bag of chips, throw it out the window? Don't do that. Not if you're driving. Don't, don't do that. That would be the wrong thing to do. But you know what I mean, right? Can you eat a little better? Can you put the fork down? Can we cut a few things out, right? Can we maybe do a little more exercise, take a walk? Maybe walk your dog a little bit more often. You know what? Your dog would thank you if you just walk him a little or a little bit more frequently. What do you got to do to change that physically? All right? You got that number? Awesome. So how about mentally? Where are you at on that scale? Same scale, 1 to 10. 1 being awful, 10 being outstanding. Where are you at mentally? And what do I mean by that? What are you feeding your brain? Right? What, what, is, what is going into your brain? 
right now? What are you What are you doing to exercise the the that right side of your brain, which is that that whole creative side, or that left side of your brain, which is that whole logical side of your brain? What are you doing to feed that? How are you feeding both sides of that brain? Right? And there's so many ways to do that. I mean, reading is a great way. Watching this show, listening to this show is a great way for you to exercise your brain because I have such amazing guests like Rob Jollis and his book, How to Change Minds, which, by the way, we're going to talk about. But that feeds both sides of your brain because you're going to have to creatively put the pieces together. You're going to get some logic. And it's just an amazing way to do that. So on a scale of 1 to 10, where are you at mentally? Right? And then what are you going to do? What can you change? You know, because you could do some simple things. Reading is one, but maybe take up an instrument that, that exercises both halves of your brain. Maybe it's learning a foreign language that exercises both, half your, both halves of your brain as well. So you can find things to exercise your brain, and you're never too old to do that. Okay? You are never too old to exercise your brain. Never, ever, 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 as well as your body. All right? So you got two numbers. Let's go on to the emotional side. Where are you at emotionally? Okay, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being miserable, 10 being outstanding, where are you at emotionally right now? What do I mean by that? We talk about emotional intelligence and emotional quotients and things like that. What we are really saying is how well are you able to control your emotions that the little things don't get to you, right? That's the first part of it, right? Are you able to keep your emotions in check, all right? Or are the little things really getting to you? And you need to ask yourself why that is because, you know, emotions are about intentional, being intentional about everything that we do because you have a choice emotionally over everything that you do. You understand that, right? Right. I know it's not always easy, but the fact of the matter is you choose how you're going to react emotionally. And, and I'm telling you that because some people don't believe that they have a choice, but you do. Right. The other part of this emotional intelligence, this emotional quotient piece is also how well are you able to relate to the emotions of others? And sometimes, you know what that is required? It's required. It's this thing. It's really hard. It's called listening. Right. Are you really in tune to listening to the emotions of others when they speak to you, when you write to you? Or are you misinterpreting those emotions because you're not really in tune with them? All those things combined are really that emotional element. So on that scale of one to ten. Where are you at emotionally? And then I'm going to ask you the same question. What, what can you do right now to change that? Okay. And then finally, the fourth, the fourth area of your life that I believe is just as important is your spiritual area. All right. And, and you go, yeah, I, don't know, I don't know. What do you mean spiritual? Well, what I think it means is I think it means that it's all the things that the other three areas cannot explain. <laughs> That's what I think that means. And that it somehow centers you and gets you re back to a place where you feel that there's a sense of peace and a sense of joy. I didn't say happiness, right? I didn't say satisfaction, but something that centers you back to center. And it's things that you can't explain. And for some people, it is God. And for some people, it's not God. For some people, it's nature. Maybe it's karma. Maybe it's something else that you believe in that gets you back to center, but that makes you feel whole. That is what I mean about the spiritual area of your life. And if it is God, you know what I ask you all the time is, how's that relationship going? Right. And if that's it is right, that's because it's that important. Right. So you've got these four numbers now. Right. You got a physical number, a mental number, an emotional number, a spiritual number. Think of it as the four legs of a table. If the, if the legs are uneven, it's pretty hard to eat off that table. But if the legs are too low while you're sitting in a normal chair, it's also very difficult to do. Right. So try to bring them up all at the same time evenly as much as you can and then work on them every single day to bring those numbers up and you don't have to get from a three to a 10 just get from a three to a 3.5 
that's going to make your life so much better because remember, we always can be growing and I want to see you grow in every area of your life. And one of the ways that we do that on this show called A New Direction is we get to interview some of the best-selling authors from all over the world. And Rob Jollis, my friend and author, has got this book entitled How to Change Minds. And I am going to tell you something. It's, it's, the, art of, it's the art of influence without manipulation. And I want to tell you that this book is is was such i thought oh man you know it doesn't look very long it's a challenge it was such a great challenge because it really made me think about everything that i do when it comes to negotiating with people when it comes to being able to um, help people make a decision when it comes to inspiring people to another decision this book how to change minds the art of influence without manipulation is fantastic and uh Rob Jollis is brought to us today by who else but inline business brokers and advisors. And we need to thank them because they are sponsors. And you know what? Are you a business owner? At some point, you're going to need the services of an experienced business broker. Endline business brokers and advisors are internationally known. Selling your business is a big decision. Make sure you build your deal team, starting with the experts at Endline business brokers and advisors. And he is also brought to you by Linda Craft and Team Realtors, no matter where you're at in the world. They can help you find the right realtor, or if you're in the Research Triangle Park, find out why they say that Linda Craft and her team have legendary customer service. And by the way, the t-shirt shout out today that I'm wearing right now uh, is from Note in the Pocket, right? And they are a nonprofit organization, and I think their mission sums it all up. They provide clothing to impoverished and homeless school children in, in Wake County, North Carolina with dignity and love. Note in, po- Note in the Pocket believes that it is unacceptable that children are limited in their education and social development because they do not have the appropriate clothes for school. And I fully support that. And they sent me this t-shirt and I said I would absolutely give you a shout out because I believe that kids should not only just have the right clothes, I think they should have the right food and everything. So t-shirt shout out to you, Note in the Pocket. You can find more by going to noteinthepocket.org. That brings us to uh, who I think is one of the most generous human beings, one of the most generous guests that I've ever had on the show. Uh, as I told you, um, he is not just uh, a guest, he's a friend. And with over 30 years of experience and and research, Rob Jollis is the leading authority, in my opinion, and pioneer on the art of influence and persuasion. None other. He is a widely sought-after business coach. He's an, he's an amazing author and writer. He is a fabulous speaker. He's helped a number of Fortune 500 companies hone their communication skills, reinvent their sales processes, and boost their performance. Rob's keynotes and workshops have inspired individuals and organizations all over the world to create real, lasting change by not just teaching clients how, but teaching clients why. And he is author of this book, how to Change Minds. He's absolutely outstanding. Everybody, please welcome Rob Jollis. Rob, welcome back to A New Direction. Yay, I'm back. Good <laughs> to be here. It's so awesome to have you with me. I, I got to tell you, I, I read this book, How to Change Minds, The Art of Influence Without Manipulating People, and I went, whew, okay, I got to read it again. And so I had to literally go through the book because, you know, I think people want a shortcut to how do I, you know, how do I get people to change their mind? And there, there are no shortcuts to this, are there? No, it's a process. And, um, and for some people, remember, you're talking about some people who may have been stuck in a part of their decision cycle 
for years and years. So um, it, there are no shortcuts. We're talking about some significant changes that we're looking to help and assist people with. So, um, you know, everybody goes at their own speed, but if we can move people over what we call that fix, don't fix line, that, that big line of, well, let's stop whining about it and let's do something about it. Um, needless to say, it's not a three minute conversation, but boy, um, you get, you move people across that line and, uh, the world opens up for everybody. So let's break down a myth. Okay. And you do such a beautiful job of this throughout the entire book. And even at the end of the book, you give us the, the, how to break this down, but let's break down one of these myths. One myth is, oh, Rob, I can hear I can hear Rob Jaw saying he's going to talk about manipulation. But whoa, 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 right? We're not talking about manipulating people. We're talking about influence. Help people understand, break through that myth, and help them understand the difference. Yeah. Well, the good news is it's it's actually easier than it sounds uh, because it really comes down to one word, just one word, and the word is intent. Now, when I say that, I mean, um, there aren't two different processes out there. One when you, when you, when manipulate and one when you influence, it's really the same process, which is kind of scary when you think about it. So when I say intent to you, Jay, what I'm saying is this, if, if the moves that we're going to make, the assist, we're going to provide that person in front of us, the mind that we're going to change, if, if changing that mind only helps us then we're manipulating them. If changing the mind of that individual truly helps that other individual, then we're influencing them. And I know people go, oh, that's pretty. but if you just back, take a step back and think about it, you get what I'm talking about. And, and the weird thing is, Jay, I'm the, I'm the guy, you know, I'm, I'm a friend of the sales world, 33 years on the road. Um, these are my brothers and sisters, but I wrote a piece that I think made a, a few people uncomfortable because right. I actually started calling out and I just want to think about sales contests right. because what I just said to you, I think it's fairly easy. Okay. So the intent, so I, well, of course I'm going to do it for my client, not for me, <laughs> but Jay, uh, I have been in the pit. I've sold insurance. I've sold for, for Xerox in New York life. I've been there. I've been a, a, a gnat's hair away from a bonus that was, that, that was a significant number. I've been this close to a cruise I was going to win. I've been this close to, uh, as crazy as it sounds, I was in a, what was called a steak and beans contest once. <laughs> Top half of the sales force got to eat steak with their significant others, and the bottom half served it to them, and were going to be eating beans in the kitchen with their significant others. Now, Jay, you be one sales away, one sale away, and you tell me how gray that line might be with, I don't know if this sale is going to help you, my friend, but it's sure going to help me. And so... I have empathy for that line, but sure. that's the line right there. Right. That's, we're talking with Rob Jollis, uh, author of the book, How to Change Minds. You know, I never thought about that that way, but you know, you're in a sales contest and you're one sale away. Are you, are you, gonna, are you willing to cross the line to manipulate or influence? <laughs> I never, right. Right? Steaks or beans? I mean, right. Wow. Okay. I mean, that's <laughs> funny. When you think about it, it's really funny. One of the it's things. It's funny, but it, it's you it's know, true. it's got. If anybody's ever seen Glen Gary, Glen Ross, oh. that is a a brutally honest movie. It is uh, that 
16 minutes with Alec Baldwin, oh. which coincidentally was not in the play. And this was a play first. It was a right. David, David Mammoth, Mammoth play. Yep. That was not in the play. But that 16 minutes oh. is the most honest and real that anyone will ever see of, of the darker side. There's yeah. wonderful bright sides, but that's the dark side. And it was never shown in a, in, better than in that 16 minutes. Yeah, I yeah, I don't want to get off on that tangent because it is a very dark side of sales, but it's very real. It, it's very authentic because yeah, yeah. it's really that that type of thing really does happen. One of the things that you do in this book, and I think it's brilliant because this is where kind of for me it kind of starts, and that is you talk about the decision cycle. Because I think what we want to do is we want to jump into, you know, as a psychological professional, I think so many people want to go, I just want to jump in and change the mind. No, 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 wait, 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 wait here. First of all, there is a there is a whole decision cycle that we have to really analyze first because we need to know where this person is at before we decide how we're going to um, get this person to commitment eventually. And, and and change their behavior into the behavior that is actually going to be best for them because what, what we're ultimately doing, and as you point out in your book, is you say, you know, you need to rethink about how you think about this because you're really doing somebody a favor because they can't make a decision, basically, or it's, it's difficult for them to. So let's talk through that a little bit. Okay. Well, um, first of all, I, I think, and you, and you honed in a really important part, I can't tell you how many times in my career I walk by a cubicle, I'll walk into an office, I'll be on a, on a stage, and somebody will tell me, you know, while I'm taking a sip of coffee, I just need another sales idea, give me a sales idea. And uh, sometimes I'll look at them, I'll go, I'll give you a sales idea. Forget the sales idea. What if I could prove to you that the person that you're speaking to goes through repeatable, predictable steps, six stages, three critical decision points? Would it be of value to you to know where your customer is in their decision cycle before we start throwing sales ideas and persuasive tactics at people? Right. We are, you know, when I learned to sell, uh, you know, <clears throat> 1980, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I had a tent program. I, I, I had two presentations. I, I memorized the live, die, quit story and the hundred man story. Jay, these people didn't plan to fail. They failed to plan. That was the punchline of my hundred man story. But, but, uh, we're, we're well past that. We're not going to be pitching clients anymore. We don't need to go in with memorized scripts. So why wouldn't it make sense then to, to think, how about the first decision we make when we're going to change the mind of another individual does not involve a tactic deployed by us. It involves observation, listening, as you said, and questions that can help us determine where the client is in their cycle. Once I understand that, then all I'm going to do is try and pair up, try and get to the side of where they are and intelligently continue the conversation. Now we're breaking away from scripts. Now we're breaking away from all the old school stuff. Right. And now we're having a conversation. Yeah, this, this idea of the decision cycle which is very, very interesting to me because, and, and can we, can we, can we dissect that a little bit? Are you okay if we dissect that a little bit? The, sure. Because sure. I think, I think the uh, listener and people who are, are watching us live and listening to us live, and by the way, we thank all those people who are doing that right now. 
but I, I think when we say decision cycle, I think people go, well, what, what's that? Whoa, 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 what's that? And mm-hmm. we've given a general idea, but let's let's start with the sad, you know, the satisfied area, and 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 let's and the acknowledgement, and move. Let's move our way Got around it. that through there if we can. Okay, sure. So let me let me uh, do this in ninety seconds or less. How's that? <laughs> Put the clock on me. Uh, but okay, so. People start there. There is a stage. I'm embarrassed to tell you that I didn't. I, I refuse to believe it even existed. But you know that research will trip you up every now and then uh, because we've been polling this cycle for about 16 years. Wow. Uh, there is a stage in our decision path, in our cycle, that says we are completely and 100% happy with the way we're doing something. Uh, and you know what? Let's leave that person alone. Here's a shocker, though. The numbers suggest that it's about four and a half percent of the population. When people go, "Oh, come on, you don't know my client, or you don't know my family," I'm not asked. I'm not telling you how many people don't want to make a change, and so they're not telling you the truth today. I'm telling you, if they didn't, th- if you were just having a beer sitting there and it earned their trust, about one in twenty will tell you the way I'm running it is perfect. That's not the stage we need to focus on. We need to sp- focus on the second stage. That's called acknowledge. Not everybody gives it to you walking in the door, right. but that says, you know what? If I trust you, I'll look in the eye and tell you no. On a scale of one to ten, my physical being, my spiritual side, is not a ten. It's at a seven. Okay, so it's not perfect, but it's good enough. And that's where people tend to hunker down, as you can imagine, because quite simply, people don't instinctively fix small problems. They fix big problems. So they wait and they hunker and they hold until that problem grows and grows. And then whap, something big happens, usually a straw that breaks the camel's back and bang, they come across a decision point of, I'm not going to whine about it. I need to address this kind of like a car that just blew a transmission and they don't fix it in the morning, but now they're looking, now they're going to go to the criteria. Now they're walking around going, what do I need? What do I need? Sad thing is most salespeople and most people who study persuasion think that they should be walking in asking a customer what they need. Well, what if I told you almost 80% of the people don't want to fix a problem, and about 8% are walking around with needs in their hands or in their mind. So they come across, they go to the criteria stage, that's the third stage, and they begin to figure out what they want, what they need, what they're looking for, what will fix this issue. They take that list, they move to the next stage, we call that investigate, and they begin, let's just deal with a car for a moment. They, they begin looking at different cars going, well, this one's bigger, but I don't like the mileage. Well, I'm getting the mileage and I'm getting the size, but I don't, it's not comfortable. And they're trying to match up what their criteria is with what that solution should look like that's investigate move off that stage they pull the trigger and they go bang i'm gonna buy it and they make that change but there is a sixth stage we call it the reconsider right. you could call it buyer's remorse if you want right. but everybody everybody goes through kind of a <laughs> yeah. I, I i you know i i know the way i had it wasn't right but i i knew how to work around it now i made a change it could be better oh what if it's worse oh <laughs> and they begin to to sort of get a little nervous and then the cycle begins again those are the six stages jay i love that we're talking with rob jollis uh, author of the book how to change minds uh the art of influence without manipulation and he just walked us through this six-stage uh, process of the decision-making process that people need to really consider i i, I can't 
emphasize this enough because you are so right in the book. We have this tendency to either do one as salespeople, we have this tendency to do one of a couple things. One is that we have this belief that we know where people are at because that's the reason why they're there. And so we need to sell them immediately. Or we start with going, hmm, let's find out what their needs are, right? But they may not even know what their real need is at this point. And so we start focusing on a need. And it, and it really is, is actually detrimental to this whole idea of influencing people uh, because you've already jumped way ahead of where that person is at in that decision-making process already. And, yeah. and, and that makes yeah, it difficult. Yeah. Can I butt in for a second? Absolutely. And I'm just it's real show. fast. But, but think about it this way. Um, and I, and I, I can't help it. I, I, I'm on fire over here. Good. But think about it this way. If you went into a therapist's office, how, which therapist do you want to walk into? The one that says, hi, Jay, uh, what do you need? Uh, I mean, you're, you're, you wouldn't be here unless you, you make a wrong turn. Of course you have a problem. So let's just, just, just why don't you just tell me what you need? Okay. Most people will push back. They'll push back. I don't need anything. I, 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 okay. That's the human mind. But what does a good therapist do? They don't ask you what you need. They don't even want to talk about your needs. Right. What do they do? They earn your trust and then they want to not only hear what the concern is, right. but they want to go deeper into that concern. Right. That's what a good therapist does. And that's what we need to do. Yeah. I, I love that analogy, Rob, because I think if a salesperson or a spouse or a father or a mother or whatever, wherever you're at in life, I think if they will take on the role of the therapist, I think this, I think this whole process uh, to me makes far more sense when I think about it, you know, that I'm, I'm actually not a salesperson. I'm actually a sales therapist. And yeah, yeah. Right. Well said. I mean, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, I, I frequently will tell people, you know, I, I'm, I'm a trusted business advisor, right. but my job is to ask you questions right. that no one has ever asked you before and that certainly you're not asking yourself. Because I, I will tell you, I learned this at the age of 21. Selling's not what is, it's what if. Okay. Right. Once, it be, once what is becomes what if, we don't need anybody to change our mind anymore. Right. Uh, we need an order taker. Uh, it's right. it's going to be costly. Uh, could be a health issue. Could just be a major financial issue. Could be a loss of a business. But once somebody, uh, once that problem becomes that big, like I said, we don't need us anymore. It, there's a piece uh, you read that book. I'm going to give you from, and we're, I'm talking to an author, so I, I'm bet you're similar to me. When, when we write books, when an author right. writes a book frequently, there's a ground zero. There's one thing that poked them in the, in the ear, and they yep. went, I, uh, and, it, and it all began. began. You did. It's true. And I will tell you, there's a story in the book called It's Not Mean, It's Merciful. Yeah, uh, and yes. It's, you, yep. That was the first block, Jay. And if it stood out to you, because it's in the middle, right. that was the one that made me go, I, I think I need to write this book. I've written sales books. I, I'm good at writing sales books. I need to write a book that really uh, 
helps people understand that when you do what Jay and I are talking about right now, when you have the courage to ask a question that doesn't make the other person necessarily feel all that well, but when you've got the guts to ask it and earn the right to ask it and the empathy to deliver it, you are doing something that is so beautiful and merciful for another individual. It's, it's, it's that important. I so agree with you. I, I, we're talking with Rob Jollis. We're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna hit this point after we do this. We're, Rob Jollis, his book, How to Change Minds: The Art of Influence Without Manipulation, available Amazon, your favorite bookstore, everywhere in the world. I'm just telling you, the book is outstanding. You just heard you just heard just a little bit of piece of this. And we're gonna go we're gonna go a little bit deeper because, like Rob, I'm a scab picker. Yeah, I know. We're gonna explain that too. <laughs> we're gonna explain that too. I know that just that just kind of shocked everybody who's listening to this podcast. Did you just say scab picker? Yes, I did. I'm I'm like Rob. I am a scab picker, and we will talk about that. But Rob is brought to you today, and the book How to Change Minds is brought to you today by. None other than our very first from day one sponsor, and that is Inline Business Brokers and Advisors. They literally have helped thousands of clients in the sale and purchases of businesses. And when it's time to sell your business, contact the professionals at Inline Business Brokers and Advisors. They're internationally known. Jeff Snell and his people, I know them personally. They're outstanding. They've helped so many businesses, and I they're going to help you too as well. Whether you're looking to sell your business or buy a business, don't don't look anywhere else. Just go to inline.com. It's E-N-L-I-G-N.com. And Linda Craft and Team Realtors. They are located in the Research Triangle Park here of North Carolina. That's the greater Raleigh, Durham, and Chapel Hill area. They are known for their legendary customer service in real estate. I'm telling you, don't start anywhere else. Start with Linda Craft and her team. You just need to go to lindacraft.com, L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com. Okay, so we're talking about being merciful. We're not being mean versus merciful. And I think people are going, well, well what do you mean, mean versus merciful? And one of the things that jumped out, because it did jump out to me, the book, because actually it changed my mind. Because uh, one of the, I've, I've always struggled uh, with sales. You know, I feel pushy and I, I don't like it. And I've always struggled with that. And then I then you said, you know, the truth of the matter is you're, you're, you're not being pushy. You're you're being merciful to them to help them along this process, and I went, oh wow, I I never it and it it really did alter me in terms of going, man, I am what I'm doing here is because I'm authentically really trying to help people, right? And I know I am, I know that I'm trying to do that, but at the same time, I didn't want to be that person, you know, who was pushing over the top. And I think sometimes for those of us who are not always comfortable with sales, we feel like ah. Man, I'm, I'm pushing too much rather than really realizing I'm being merciful to the potential client, right? I, yeah, you, you know, we have we have doctors, um, good doctors and not so good doctors, but you know, the good ones really are, are they're, they're wonderful because they help us relieve our pain. Uh, we have good lawyers and bad lawyers, uh, but, but uh, truly we have really, there are good lawyers right. and the good ones help us interpret the law. Right. We have good salespeople and bad salespeople, but the good ones are amazing because they help us over our fear of change. Right. They help us to be more proactive in the decisions we make. I'm, I, I know I'm, I know I'm a little jaded on this one, but 
I'm putting them right up there with doctors and lawyers sure. when you think about the decisions we're talking about here. Right. Uh, Jay, you read the opening of the book. Uh, yeah. the, rest of, the rest of your family here, not so, they haven't read it yet. Right. But I'm going to tell you a funny story. The publisher made, only made me take out one story in the book, and it was the first story. So there was a different story in there, and here's the way that one went. You're sitting on a bar stool. Uh, with a friend who's had too much to drink, as usual, and um, and you're concerned, so you've asked for the car keys, and your friend says, "No, no, I'm okay. I, I'll be fine." And but you know, you're you're a pretty tough guy, so you you say, "Well, no, no, really, I need those keys." And your friend says, "No, I'm fine," and you have a little bit of an exchange, and you don't get the car keys, and and the individual leaves. Uh, today, they don't make it home. Today, they, they make it to the hospital barely. Uh, the two people they kill on the road will never make it home. The families are, are changed dramatically forever. They'll never, they'll never be rid of that pain. The person who commits this heinous act will, will be humiliated and, 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 and will probably lose everything, create massive dysfunction in their lives and family as well, and perhaps spend some time in jail, and maybe deservedly. I, I, that's not for me to say. But what about you? You were on that bar stool. You were sitting right next to him. You had an opportunity to get those car keys, and you didn't do it. Now, if we could help, if we could show you a way to get those car keys, and as I say, might, might require some more difficult questions that you've never asked before. That's what we're talking about here. We're t and that's why I say, straight-faced, I'm putting good salespeople right up there with a doctor and a wow. lawyer. Wow. Wow. Okay, that one, that story that you just told right there, that one hits hard. That That's that's a punch in the face is what you did. And wow. Uh, okay, I'm never going to feel, I'm never going to feel bad about this thing. As long as my... You know, as long as my, you're right, my, as long as your heart motivation is right, you're being authentic, you're being genuine, you really believe in what you're doing here, you're right. You're, you're, you're absolutely right because I would never want that on my conscience. I would never, I would never, I would, I wouldn't think twice about it. I would probably tackle the guy, right? And, well, and, yeah, Jay. Yeah. I, I mean, I would, you think about it. What was the first question you asked me? Let's separate what manipulation right. and influence are. Right. And we came up with the word intent. Right. Now you're starting to see it. I, right. I got to say one other thing, and I, it's kind of amusing. I have been obsessing since this interview started <laughs> because Jay was kind enough to write a, a review for this book on Amazon, and I'm so grateful. But you know, not all reviews are kind. And two down from Jay's is a review. It's one. It's two sentences. I want to read it to you. It says the title is first part is a waste of your time. And here's what the review says. Do yourself a favor and skip the first 25% of this book. Super off topic from sales. And he reiterates the same point 50 times. Guess what point I'm reiterating 50 times and spending 25% of my time on. And my publisher wanted me to change it too. But I couldn't. Right. Write what we're talking right. about. Listen, I'm, I'm happy. I've spent over three decades telling you how to, how to sell things. Right. But you see why this is important. This is why people don't like, like using the word sales. This is what scares them. Okay, right. but we have how many people, and this, this is the story that took its place. How right. many people have an aging parent who we want to get the car keys from? Right. We have an aging parent who we, it's really time to get out of the house too many stairs. Right. And what's going to get them out of that house? Either uh, someone who knows how to change minds 
or a or a hip, a neck, or a pelvis break. Right, right, right. And we want to prevent that. We we want to be proactive yeah. in those instances, right? And we want to not just be proactive. We want to do it in a way that's dignified to them and. And at the same time, we've got to be. There's a little tough love involved here, you know, where you've got to, you've got to, you just have to do what you have to do. And God, that's you know, this is the thing about this book that, and 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 we're going to move into there because we've talked about this sales cycle and, and and this decision this decision cycle. I'm sorry. And one of the things that you said in that decision cycle that I want to kind of go back to because I think so many of us fall into this area, and this is into this acknowledgement area where we go, yeah, we know it's a problem, but we really don't want to do anything about it. And yet we know we need to do something about it, but we kind of a little fearful of change. And we're also a little bit of fearful of, you know, what that's going to look like, you know, because it may cost me more. Is it going to really cost me more than what I'm paying right now? You know, if you take your car example or, you know, do I really want to move up to a house even though, you know, my kids are now sleeping in a, you know, dresser drawer, you know, and so because I don't have enough room, there is this fear of change piece that comes into play when we're trying to change someone's mind because of that, that's one of those, that stage there. And I want to talk about that a little bit because we get a little stuck in acknowledging the fact that we need to change, but we don't do anything about it. Yeah, and we get stuck there. Um, we, you know, we, we can. Every decision is different, but we can tend to put it in percentages. We will typically spend almost 80% of our time actually in the acknowledged stage. Right, right. Um, Kind of whining, moaning. If, if <laughs> Think about, for many people who are listening, um, think about some the, the jobs that you've had where you've met people walking in when you met who were miserable and don't work. You're working for Mr. Johnson, you're going to hate that guy. And, you know, and they, they're, they're from the We Hate It Here Club. They, they know they have a problem. They just don't want to do anything about it. Right. Matter of fact, I, I, next time somebody says that to you, do do this. Ask them, well, gee, that sounds terrible. Uh, do you have a resume together? They, they typically, not even a resume. <laughs> They just are whining and moaning and yeah. stuck, and, uh, and, and they're there for a long time. We all do that to an extent. Um, we're sort of waiting for the triggering device. Right. I, the most important people in my life that I've ever met are the ones that really can help me make these changes proactively. Right. But there's a process in place, and, right. and if you want, Jay, we can start talking about that. Of Okay, John spent his 25% of his book on, on pleading with people to understand the difference, pleading with people to understand why this is so important. But don't, don't think for a moment that that's where it ends. To me, there's a repeatable, predictable process right. to play our best cards of changing these minds. I just decided... I had I had to spend too many books telling people how to do it. I had to spend that twenty five percent on the why we do it. But I think we're there now. Well, I yep. think I think we are. But I, I also think it's worth mm-hmm. reemphasizing again t- two two really important points here. I think one is in this book and what you talk about is it is a critical piece of the foundation of this book. And so to ignore this first twenty five percent and to jump into the last seventy five percent. It makes no sense if you don't understand the decision making cycle. You can't. You're absolutely right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And Jay, if you take a look at the cover of the book, and this was we worked on this cover hard. Uh, you don't see a dollar sign on that cover. There's no. There's no Rob will make you more money. There's a cat and a mouse. 
the mouse has got a piece of cheese and the cat is looking like, what am I going to do here? Uh, Which way is this going to go today? Uh, That was an attempt to try and get people to realize that this is not, you know, I'm, yes, when you sell, you can make more money selling. I'd be, and I'm all for it. I'm a capitalist. Sure. But we needed the conversation before we got to how as to that. And that's why even the great Brian Tracy, who I have a tremendous amount of, uh, of respect for, wrote a quote on the front, but it wasn't his first one. It was his second one. The first one said, Rob, will help you make a lot of more money. And I had to go back to one of my heroes and sheepishly say, uh, I can't use that one. <laughs> Uh-huh, I, 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 that's not what this book is about. Right. This book is the is the moral implication behind change, right. and then we'll lay a process out there for you. So, so let's moving. Let's just jump a little bit ahead because I, there's so many things I want to talk about. Right? I mean, I really do. I, I trust me. I I want to talk about objections and everything else. We, but we got to get mm-hmm. before we get there. And I also want to talk about you know how we deal with with the the sixth stage of you know buyer's remorse and I want to talk about you know clarification mm-hmm. and all those things but the one thing I want to talk about that really filters itself right after this is we got to talk about trust and the the reason why I, I find trust to be I, first of all, I find it to be fascinating because uh, people fall on all sorts of the aisle on trust do you earn my trust do I give you my trust how does trust work because I have an opinion to, to me, and I want to show you my opinion, and then you can go ahead and say well, you're really wrong, which is fine because I'm comfortable there, because my it would just agree with you know most of the time happens with me and my wife, so it's okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's all right. Well, I don't want to be your wife, but let's hear what you got. <laughs> so I believe my personal belief is I give you trust. I I just give it to you, and you have to. You have to do something to destroy that. It's my choice. If I want to trust you or not, I'm going to trust you. If I, Because there is really, in my mind, there is nothing that you can really do to earn my trust. I, I'm just going to give it to you, not because you're competent. By the way, and I love the point that you make, and this is so consistent with Dr. Amy Cuddy from Harvard University in, in her research. Competence does not lead to trust. Warmth, empathy, and likability do. Which I found really interesting because you kind of make that same point in there. So let's talk through this trust thing a little bit. Okay. Uh, first, let me tell you, I love that piece about competency doesn't earn trust. And if I could switch it into my world, into the persuasion world, uh, we, you know how many people we have that are subject matter experts that are brilliant in right. terms of the product? That doesn't create trust. It's the same thing. They're, they're, they're subject matter experts who, who couldn't couldn't sell their way out of a shoebox. Uh, so, uh, and sadly, uh, you know, I'm actually going to be doing a, uh, an interview in about a week about why sales training usually, you know, so often fails. It's because we do so much of that, of that competency training, that product training. My goodness, we have continuing education that requires we keep laying it on, and nobody learns how to ask a question. Nobody learns how to listen. But they're, but they, boy, they're getting smarter. They keep getting more information. So, um, boy, do I agree with what you just said. Um, now that said, uh, the trust may be because when we're in a role of persuasion and people typically know that's why we, we come down the chimney. Okay. Um, there is, a, there is a hesitancy and I, I actually probably wasn't that far from you, Jay, when I started working on this model decades ago, when I started working on this model, uh, I put 
a lot less emphasis on trust than the rest of it. I actually thought, well, everybody's going to be okay there. And, and most people, and then I realized if we don't have trust, the entire rest of the process and conversation becomes anemic. So we need to at least, it's not necessarily a process, but we need to just remember four things. And to me, those four things are this one, we got to, we, and you probably knew this one was coming. We got to ask questions. And when we ask them, they got to be open. This is not an interrogation. It's, I'm not, I don't care how many questions I ask. I care how much you're talking because uh, how about this jollicism? I believe the more that other person talks, the more they trust you. Okay. So I've actually um, invested in, sometimes I go out with my clients and I'll bring a chess clock with me with two plungers. And while I'm role playing, while I'm working, I'm actually hitting a plunger and running two clocks to get a sense of who's doing the talking here. Uh, and, and isn't that weird? Because the irony here is that when we think of a salesperson, we think of somebody who's going really fast and a silver tongue, and you're going to like it for these nine reasons. That's the person that certainly knows their product. That doesn't create trust. Uh, that creates confusion. So one, I want to keep it open. Two, I want to actively listen, actively listen. Right. And, and if you want a shortcut there, uh, there's all sorts of polls. But my favorite one says really that if we take the top most disturbing pieces of listening that clients keep saying, and the nine of them don't equal number one, which is don't interrupt people. Let them talk. So you're asking open-ended questions, questions that can't be answered with a yes or no. You're, you're, you're letting them talk, actively listening. You're aiming your questions. This is the third one, which means I am there to persuade. So I'd love to hear if you think the Washington Nationals will make the, the, the playoffs, but unless I'm selling baseball tickets, I'm not sure if that's really contributing here. So it, whatever I'm doing, I'm looking around my office right now. If I'm selling a laptop, I want to hear – uh, how you retain information. What sort of things do you typically do on a computer? How often do you travel with that computer? They're open-ended questions, and I'm asking them because I, I may have a computer, a laptop that's lighter. I may have one that's got more memory. It's, it's, if it's got more memory, I want to know what you put on it. I want to know how much video you use. So I'm aiming my question. But the fourth one, and it's an important one, is I want as important as this conversation is about problems. It always starts with a problem. Ironically, again, that's the one thing I don't want to talk about right now. I don't want to walk in, Jay, I just want to get to know you and learn about you. What problem are you having with your wife? Right. That, that's not going to create a whole lot of trust. What I, so when I say avoid problems, I mean, let's leave out the problem-related words. I, I might want to hear about your relationship and tell me a little bit about your wife. We go back to the laptop. Again, I, I want to hear what you do, how you do, who you do, but I don't want to know about problems with the laptop. That disrupts trust. If we do those four things, if we do that, we begin to earn the right to then say, now, Let's double back, and I have some more questions. And these are the ones with concerns and challenges. These are the ones we will get at. It'll be a little tougher to answer. But do those four elements make sense to you? Oh, my gosh, yeah, they, they do. And not only do they make sense, it's, again, it's that therapist, sales therapist mm. approach, right, where I, you know, the therapist, you don't walk into the therapist and the therapist goes, well, let's let's talk about your relationship. No, 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 no. It's 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 softer than that. It's tell me right. tell me about you. Tell me 
tell me about what's going on. You know, tell me a little, tell me a little bit why why we're here today. Why are we talking? Right? Talk to me about why we're talking today. And and then as you as that person begins to talk, right? The more they talk, and and you were talking about your father-in-law when you first met him, and mm-hmm. and you thought how awesome of a guy he was, right? And the truth is because yeah. because he never did any talking. Right. <laughs> he did right. all the listening. I think people need to understand that my father-in-law was, uh, he was an amazing man. He was an ambassador. And my wife, my girlfriend at that time said, I, you know, we, you're going to like him. And I said, well, I'll be the judge of that. I, you know, I'm, I'm you know, maybe he'll like me. I mean, I, I was, you know, pretty, pretty big headed guy. And, uh, 15 minutes, spent time with him, and I, I've got to tell you, I thought he was the greatest guy in the world. And my wife, I told my wife, I said, what a great guy. And she said, yeah, of course. That's what, she said, you know, you're not the first guy I brought home, but she said, you do understand that he never really said a word. <laughs> and I, I thought, well, that's impossible. <laughs> of course he did. We had a conversation. I, but, but I met him about a week later, and I said to myself, all right, we're going to watch this guy. And sure enough, you know, he never. He spoke very little. He asked incredible questions. And Jay, just as important, not only did he ask the question, but he put that tune behind the question. Right. right. In other words, it. Re- he was in the moment. It didn't look like he was just asking questions. He really wanted to know about me and what I was thinking. And I, I you know, he had me at hello. I mean, right. it, but I, I'll never forget that. And I thought, what a coincidence. He's an ambassador. Huh, probably something to this. <laughs> probably. We're talking with Rob Jollis, author, author, and by the way, fabulous speaker, funny, entertaining, insightful, life-changing speaker, Rob Jollis. How to Change Minds is the book that we're talking about. He's brought to you today by Inline Business Brokers and Advisors. You can always learn more by going to nline.com, E-N-L-I-G-N.com, and Linda Craft and Team Realtors. Uh, Real estate is their business, and they certainly know it well. And you can go by going to www.lindacraft, L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com, and they're sponsoring Rob and How to Change Minds uh, on today's show, New Direction. And you can find this book, by the way, the, the book is fabulous. So you can find it on Amazon. Go to your local bookstore. If your local bookstore does not have this book on their shelf, you need to ask them why. You need to change their mind right now and say, I'm just telling you, you're going to want to have this book on your bookshelf because it's going to change your mind. So buy it. And it's, it's fantastic. So make sure that your local bookstore um, has how to change minds in it. And make sure it's facing out forward not just the uh-huh. not the now you're talking jay yeah, that's yeah. what we want <laughs> yeah. turn those books out turn and, and 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 by the way don't beat me up on this first 25 percent dealing with the moral implications here that's why that's i'll stand behind this book i and and proudly wave it like a flag i'm proud to spend 25 percent on this i wish i had spent more uh, that's it's so awesome <laughs> So we, we, we've we've that's a, we just talked about trust and and the, the asking questions and and probing and and not probing in a bad way by the way folks what we're doing here is what we're trying to do is we're trying to get people to here's what Freud said I'm not a big huge Freud fan but here's what he he said about catharsis or talking he said you know you get people to talk so that they bring their thoughts to the light of day. And that they actually kind of come to their own conclusion. That's a gross uh, summary of it. But really, in essence, this is this is what part of what we're doing to change people's mind is that you're asking the questions 
they're listening, they're talking, but in the process of talking, they're actually coming to their own conclusion. And you're 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 just doing your job, right? I mean, right? That's part of this whole process. Oh, that's a massive part of it. First of all, if they come to it, they're going to own it. But, but you know, I always start sometimes, and I'll spend two days doing a workshop for, for clients or a day or a half a day. But I always like to start with kind of one sentence, and I'll tell them, look, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do for the next four hours. We're going to, we're going to do one thing. We're going to learn how to take an idea, put it in somebody else's brain, and make them feel like they thought of it. Right. Um, and, of course, then I have to separate influence from manipulation. Right. Right. But... If you if it, before you think, well, you know, that's just speaker speak. That's you know, gee, that's fun and inspiring. But how do you you can do that? Well, the answer is absolutely. Yeah. First, we have to create enough trust, which we just talked about, so that people will answer that question when we say, okay, you mentioned you're a six out of ten on the emotional side. Right. What sort of challenges are you having there? If I've earned the right and there's trust now, people will open up and say, well, you know, I had a bad week. This happened or that happened. And um, just so you know, that's referred to uh, as an identifying probe, which means we're just trying to identify the problem. But I don't mind telling you that um, if I had to take 10 years of my experience at Xerox and sum it up into one sentence, of the greatest thing I ever learned from what I think is probably the greatest sales company in terms of education. That was Xerox, okay? Um, It comes right here. It's not just about identifying the problem. Keep thinking like a therapist. It's not just about identifying it. Okay, well, Jay just told me that he had a bad week emotionally. It's what do you do next? Do you solve it for Jay? That's the instinct. It's not logical, but that's the instinct. Well, I got a way for you to fix that. Or do you do something that is the toughest move you'll ever make because it requires mental agility and concentration? And that is to ask more questions about it. Mm-hmm. Don't move. Don't. We call that a developing probe. I'm not done. I, in the words of Al Pacino from The Scent of a Woman, I'm just getting warmed up. <laughs> I want to hear more about that. Okay, I, and that's why I can't write this down before we meet. This is this is the question on top of a question. Right. But I want to ask another question. How long have you been aware of that? I want to ask another question. What have you done up to now? I want another. Ask another question. How's your wife reacting to that? I want to stay there, and I want to go deeper and further. Again, that's what a good therapist does. They don't solve it. They take it deeper because again. People don't fix small problems; they fix big ones. And that's a scab picker. I, I prom- Welcome I, to scab picking. Yes. I, that's Keep a, going, Jay. I, Talk I, about scab picking. Yeah, because because well, the story is hilarious in the book. Okay, because literally, 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 the you, you're about to go on stage, and the guy before you, literally, who's on stage, is literally calling you a scab picker in front of the audience, and you had to make yeah. a decision about your own belief. Did you really believe in what you were doing? And you literally had to get up on stage and say, "Dang it." I am a scab picker. Oh, I felt like I was in an AA meeting. Um, first of all, I, you know, to, to, I'll put, the, I'll put the, the trim around that story. I'm back in the green room. There's probably about 500 people out there. Note to self and to anybody who's ever speaking, you don't want to attack the speaker before he speaks. You want to take a shot at him. Take a shot at him when he's done. But this guy was getting, he said, we're going to be here in front of a scab, with somebody I call a scab picker. And uh, he kind of took, and I, and I looked around the, the room and I said, I believe that's me. (laughs) 
and uh, I, I, he had written it on a he wrote scab on a big mat on a big flip chart, oh. like you know, just four massive letters. And uh, first thing I did was, uh, oh, he he wrote it on there. He ripped it off. He rolled it up in a ball and he punted it out in the audience. It was it was dramatic. But I did. I walked out. I went right to the mic. I intentionally got a few inches too close so we could distort a little bit. And I said, <laughs> My name is Rob Jollis. And I am a scab picker. <laughs> and I explained to people that, yes, in a not-so-pretty light, some people would say, we're, we're actually picking at a scab here. Right. But like I said, um, if I'm okay on that first 25%, if I'm the one that gets those parents out of that home and into an assisted living environment where they'll be safely cared for, safe, and cared for for the remainder of their years, then I'm going I'm to belly right up the bar and I'm going to ask a few more questions on that problem, on that scab that won't feel so well, but I'm going to keep them open. I'm going to be empathetic. And you know what? People never look at anyone who, who asks these questions and say, why are you harming me? Because you've earned the right to ask them what they're truly, they may not say it with their words, but they'll, they'll say it with their actions, which is, God bless you and thank you. Mm. With Rob Jollis, uh, author, uh, golly, humorist, uh, insightful genius uh, is the only things I can come to mind right now. How to Change Minds is the name of the book, The Art of Influence Without Manipulation. Uh, the book is absolutely fantastic. Uh, Rob, do you have a hard, do you have to get off hard or can we go over a few minutes? Jay? I will never get off our early on a Jay interview. I have cleared the decks. I'm not going anywhere. Oh, that's awesome because I'm like going, oh my, it's, we're, it's already three, it's already, it's already an hour. <laughs> I'm like going, what the heck happened to this time? Because, we, you know, we did this the first time. The first time we were together, I was like, yeah. we, you know, the hour just flew by. And I was like, how does that happen? And, you know, we're having a good time together. And a lot of people, we're going to pull back the curtain a little bit here. But a lot of people don't understand that when there are certain times when I, we, there are certain people you get together with uh, on these interviews and what happens is the time flies for us and there are so many things you want to get to, but there's also a lot of depth and that we want to get to and it's very it's a very difficult balance uh, to do and we try to do as best as we can and I try to do that with the authors. But the show is, as I described to uh, every person who's on the show, is we're literally at my kitchen with our favorite beverage and some Italian meats and cheeses and, and you know how everybody gathers at the party at the kitchen and you're all part of the party. And so we're doing this show uh, as a party and it just goes so fast. All right, so thank you for doing that. Give me a few extra minutes. But I, I want to talk about, because one of the things that we've got to jump to is eventually we got to get to a commitment, to that commitment stage where the person is going to give us a commitment. How do we bridge... Uh, the depth of questions to getting a commitment ultimately. Right. Well, um, you know, there's a lot of myths about gaining commitment and closing and things right. like that. Um, matter of fact, if, uh, I, I know you you wanted to move off the Glengarry, but there's, there is a scene where he's pounding on the chalkboard going, A, B, C. Every a, always B, 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 C, close. Always be closing if he's pointing at the Cadillac. Right. Uh, listen. And the Rolex. Uh, here's the an Rolex interesting watch. myth for you. Um, in fact, st this is statistics, it's not just a jealous opinion. The stats suggest that couldn't be further from the truth. 
you, we're not always closing. That's ridiculous. Um, statistics say that if I ask somebody for a commitment, Jay, I really need you to commit to blank, and you tell me no, I just I, I, about a 26% chance of making this move with you just flew out the window. Because, and I'm surprised it's that low. Right. Because if, if nothing else, your ego's on the line. Your your belt. You you kind of got your arms folded, going. I I I said no, and I'm I'm not letting some some bald guy change my mind. <laughs> so um, I don't want to push you into that corner. So it's not always be closing. It's not the more you ask, the greater your chances. It's none of those ridiculous myths. It's actually very logical when you've actually earned the right again, created that trust not only uncovered a concern that the client that this other person has it could be you know cleaning their room uh but now they've been making oh it's not as clean as they want it to be and we got into who typically comes here and, and then we, what do you think that says about to them and we went deeper and we actually got a commitment that it is worthwhile looking at other alternatives uh it, to ask somebody for the to, to make a commitment isn't all that hard i think the tricky part is just and this is in communication isn't it the transitions that usually throw us? Absolutely. Like, I, I just have to figure out how to get from, yes. here's the solution to now I want you to do something about it. So I happen to actually love the transition of the words, wouldn't you agree? Um, now, that's just a style piece, but it, I use something that I call, um, it's, it's sometimes referred to as a summary close. But when I close, I typically will say something like, so Jay, wouldn't you agree with what we've talked about? You're not only going to be able to get um, that greater communication uh, that you said you were looking for, but you're also, also going to be able to implement this comfortably with both parties. And then I'm quiet. And what's cool about a summary, what you just heard me do is best basically, in a sense, sort of test understanding. But, but what, what happens now psychologically on the other side is people know, are going, ah, oh, I think I'm getting ready to commit to something. And, <laughs> and I don't have a problem with that. Right. In other words, you may say no to me. Right. And that's okay, because if we have two extra minutes, we'll talk about what happens when people say no. Right. Uh, but but I'll clarify it and do some other things. But if you say yes, I don't really have a whole lot of concern of, of trying to come up with some grand phrase or sort of ridiculous Columbo clothes or any of these nonsense. <laughs> I can look in your eyes, extend my hand and say, I'd love to work with you or, you know, let's get it started. And just we don't have to play games. So right. it's that transition in usually summarizing lightly what it is that they're that you believe you provided them with. And if we get an agreement, ask, ask for the commitment, discuss the logistics. And then remember that last wedge that, that buyer's remorse yes. kind of reconsider in my closes. I always believe contrary to, to what the old school will say, which is the old school will say, once you've made the sale, get out of the house. It's mm. like a horror movie, run away. Uh, I know you're going to go through a buyer's remorse of sorts. And so our decision remorse. So my last step is, is, 10 seconds long, but it's something to leave you with like, Jay, the hard part's over. Now comes the easy part. And that's really getting started on this program. And I'm going to be here every step of the way to make sure that we do this the right way. I can't thank you enough. Boom. And we're done. And so, yeah, okay. So I, I got to tell you, one of the most eye-opening pieces to me was when you're talking about the buyer's remorse stage and you, you, of course, tell the story about the guy who is negotiating a very 
extraordinarily dangerous hostage situation, basically yep. with the children and the kids, and 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 it's a it's a I'm not I don't want to tell the story because I want people to read it, but the story is uh, extraordinarily powerful, and it it makes such a an amazing point. And I was my wife who uh, is uh, owns her own real estate company. I said to her, I said, you know, probably one of the biggest mistakes that maybe is not being considered by your buyer's agents, you know, your buyer's representatives is you're not telling them what a great decision that they've made. And, and that is one of the things that you said in the book that I thought was so powerful is telling people, my, you made, you made such an amazing decision for you and your family. Congratulations on that decision. And you know what? We're going to, I'm going to be here with you because I know that it's going it, to, you know, that the, 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 some of the hard work's about to get started, you know? So I want to just say congratulations on making such a great decision for you and your family, but also let you know I'm going to still be here and, and we're going to walk with you the rest of the way through this, you know, through the boxes getting unpacked because it's going to be awesome. And I, and I thought about that uh, as I think about it, as I even talk to salespeople and you've influenced me so greatly on that because it's not an area I had thought about. I had not, I, I've always wondered because, you know, psychologically overcoming buyer's remorse is a really difficult thing. But then I thought, man, there's another stage to this that, that, yeah. that you bring up and it's powerful. So powerful yeah. just to encourage people to say, you did great. You, you were great here. Congratulations. You were fantastic. What a great decision. How exciting for you. Awesome. You can rest easy tonight going, man, you made a great decision for you and your family. Yeah, and you know something, it's funny because we hear that speech, but it's before all the documents are signed. Right. Before, it's before we just took the, wrote that massive check. It's before we right. are, you know, uh, have been pronounced family and home. I know, you know, like a marriage. Right, right. Uh, and so, to me, it doesn't count before the the ring goes on. It counts after the right. ring goes on. That's right. when I really we we really need to hear it uh, because everybody's saying the same thing before the ring goes on right. the finger. And what about what about the objections? I, I, I'm just going to take a couple of minutes here because I just I want to talk mm-hmm. about that because I think when the people people will say, okay, you know what, you know what, Jollis, and and because you say that about yourself, you know what, Jollis. You know, this all sounds great. Your process sounds great. You're right. You know, build trust, ask questions, probe deeper, pick scabs, blah, 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 blah. Handle the handle the buyers or motors. But you never said anything about the objections because got to tell you, I get objections, Rob. Yeah. Well, there's two ways of looking at this. First of all, I can't tell you how many times people will say that. And it's like, I have to break it in half, which is, well, remember when you offer a solution, to a problem that people don't aren't committed to fixing, you're going to get objections. When you haven't created trust, you're going to get objections. When people see this as a nice to have, not a need to have, you're going to get objections. Yeah, yeah. There's so many reasons why we're shooting ourselves in the foot. There. That said, I would never say well, with the now with the how to change minds book, Jay. If you if you follow every step there, why well, you'll never get an objection again. It's it's that good of a book. Uh, and, and 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 believe me, folks, he's not kidding. Charles is a genius. Uh, the, the fact is, the fact is that um, there's one more stat I'll throw on you. Would you believe that that? And let's just call them persuasive conversations. Without at least one objection, right. have a 24% chance less of drawing action of closing than ones with. So right off the bat, I want to tell you, I've got a big smile on my face, and I'm I'm saying to you, 
Don't think for a moment that I'm going, oh, no, it's an objection. <laughs> I'm thinking, well, if it's on your mind, you could ask me or you could hold it. Ask the, my competitor. Ask somebody else. Something tells me I'll do a better job of this. I should make this as easy as possible for you to ask these objections, these questions, because typically they're misunderstandings anyway. So, A, let's make sure that we're on the same page, that this doesn't make us nervous. This, we, we don't have to kick a can. This is a good thing the client feels comfortable enough asking a question. Real fast, but a slight diversion. When I give a seminar, there is nothing that will really unnerve me in front of a room except one thing, and that is no noise, no questions, no conversation. Agree with me, disagree with me, throw something at me, but don't just sit there. Right. I don't know where you're at. You're making me real uncomfortable. It's the same when I'm one-on-one. -on -one. I like when you ask that question, okay? So A, that doesn't bother me. B, okay, so we've asked the question, and, and, and Jay, you said something. We can't do the whole book, but please understand, in the decision cycle and in the outside, there are three separate, I call them temperature reads, three separate questions that are designed to push out an objection at that particular stage. If, if, you, don't, if you don't think this is a big enough problem to fix, why am I solving it? We're going to have that one already answered. If, let's make sure that we've answered the question, is this what it's going to take to solve it? Maybe, no, I, you need more? Good. Let's put that on the list. Then when I get to that nice little summary close, wouldn't you agree we, we got everything on your list? You can see I'm following a logical pattern. But now let's get to what happens when they say no. Uh, one. Biggest one, always clarify, yeah. clarify. Yeah. The biggest mistake we can make when somebody says, well, no, I, I don't think that that's <laughs> right for us is to go, um, yes, it is. And I'll tell you six <laughs> reasons why. Um, and off we go, uh, you know, we, and, and by the way, six of them, because we're figuring uh, one of the six ought to be good. <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it's, it's fool's gold. Um, you know, usually when somebody objects, there's more to the story. Don't worry about guessing it. Ask them. Um, as a matter of fact, I think the longer it takes us to answer an objection, the more credibility we give the objection. So step one, when we get an objection is relax, smile, take it as a compliment, and just ask them, that's a great question. Can you go into more, give, give me more information there, or if they're talking about something else, how are you comparing it to blank and blank? But the best move we can make, the one that doesn't look confrontational, the one that gets at the real answer is just seek information, because often you'll hear, well, we tried this two years ago, or I, I you know, my uncle did whatever. See, now, oh, it's the uncle objection. I, I was just going to give you this 30,000 foot story, all of a sudden we got the real reason. So A, we clarify. B, we'll push it into one or two categories. See, they're going to be a misunderstanding or a drawback. I'm, I'd certainly rather it be a misunderstanding, meaning, well, you know, we wanted that and it doesn't have it. And usually companies will trim things down, will change products, will change ideas or solutions. There's a reason why that button is missing. So um, we want to just be very careful there. And Jay, just for a moment, let me jump into that. Sure. If it's a misunderstanding, I've always been a fan of something. It's actually an older model, but I love the model. It's called Feel Felt Found. And it's a nice way of saying to guys like Jay, you're not right. So Jay may <laughs> say, I have the greatest show in the world. And, let's, and he does. But let me, let's pretend I didn't agree. So I don't want to go, no, you don't. Or Jay, Jay, what I found was here's four other shows. What I want to say to Jay is, you know, Jay, a lot of people feel 
the same way you do. And when they put together heart and soul behind a, a program, when they read every book and they have the kindness to put a, a report, a, a review on, um, that is one great show. Now Jay feels a little better. And I'm going to add empathy. And Jay, I have to tell you, I, I felt the same way too when I first met you, that here's a guy who really heard hey. But what I found was, mm. and now I'm going to give Jay the information. You're in the top 5%, brother. Uh, but there's some other shows that have been around. In, in other words, I'm trying to clear the way right. to disagree with Jay. Because what I don't, the, you know, some people, they, they get a little stubborn. And the good news is they're right all the time. Right. Bad news is nobody wants to act on their decisions. I don't need to be right. I want to, gently tell you another story so that's the misunderstanding last one but if it's a drawback that means jay wants it i don't have it and i gotta look in the mirror and say let's make it a car again or a house okay because your wife's a realtor Uh, if the most important thing for me is that i gotta have walkability and i mean i've measured it down to a 70 percent or higher walkability number in zillow look it up folks there's walkability numbers now okay if that's my number one need, and you're showing me a house that's got an extra bedroom and the best kitchen in the world, and an I, but I'm at a 25% on walkability, we're in the wrong home, okay? Mm. But as in real estate's a great example. There isn't any such thing as a perfect home, meaning, of course, there's going to be a drawback. I can assure you we're going to get that walkability, and we're even going to get that big kitchen. I'm going, to have, I'm going to tell you, though, we're going to go to two bedrooms instead of three, and I may have to trim some. That's, some people would say that's a drawback on the home. But I like to think, Jay, when you look at everything that you're considering, everything, right. the, the walkability, the this, the kitchen, the that, what's most important to you overall, bang or bing? And what I'm doing is I'm helping the client remember, like, like, like Mick and the boys once said, you don't always get what you want. <laughs> you, you're going to get most of it, okay? So, so um, that's the way we make decisions. I, I don't have to be embarrassed by it. There's no perfect home. There's no perfect right. job. No perfect spouse. Other than me, there's no, there, there's no perfect anything. We have to remind people we're going we're gonna to help them make a decision based on their total list of criteria. And that's how we work with the drawback. That helps. That, that's awesome. Okay, listen, we're this is Rob Jollis, and we have gone over we have gone overtime, and not only have we gone overtime, he just he just put the puck in the net to win it in overtime. The book is called How to Change Minds, and it is absolutely an outstanding book. We we didn't even get to talking about personality and and you know the importance and role that that plays in in also this process of getting people to change minds. But the truth of the matter is, when you read this book, I'm going to tell you that he also is going to talk about, you know, what does personality really have to do with all this? And you're going to find that, you know what, personality does play a role in how uh, we get people to change minds and we're being merciful to them. Keep that in mind. We're not manipulating them. We're being merciful to them. We're not being mean to them. We're being merciful to them by doing this, by influencing them, not manipulating them. What a um, what a great book. I cannot emphasize this book enough because it is that good. I have highlighted this book like crazy. I have folded the corners over so many different sections of this book. It's almost like it's one big folded corner is what this book almost looks like. So it's a great book. And Rob, I want to say, first of all, thank you uh, for being on the show. We have we have covered the ga- so much of the gamut of this book, but there's so much more we didn't cover. And I think we could have gone on for another hour and a half and still not covered 50% of the book because it's th- th- this book is that deep and that detailed, and I enjoyed every bit of it. 
and so i want to first of all thank you for writing it but um it, this is a book that's going to help people and i don't care and this is not just for salespeople. and this is i mean this is if you your parent this this book is valuable to you if you have parents that are aging this book is valuable to you if you are uh, in a relationship <laughs> this book is valuable to you uh, it, it it really is i mean and i think that was your intent that this wasn't just for salespeople; it was for everybody that's correct. It's uh, you know we have to be careful that we don't write a book for everybody. But I, I, it's a book that's written for everybody who says, "I'm not a salesperson. I don't want to be a salesperson." But it, but it would be helpful to be able to take that idea and put it in somebody else's brain. Right. That's who it was written for. Right. So, Rob, you know the the drill here. I, I ask every one of my guests, and you're no longer guest, your family, but I. I I always ask at the end of the show if you could give people a new direction based on how to change minds. What would be what, what? What would you say to give people a new direction? Let me make sure I. <laughs> we're we're at the one yard line. It's time for Giles to punch it into the end zone, <laughs> and I will just when you say new direction, just define that for me, so I I, I make sure. Well, I the show it in the end right? Zone this, yeah, the show's called a new direction. We help people find a yeah, new direction yes. in their life, in their career, or their business, or all three. And if you could okay. take how to change minds, and you could say. You know, I would leave you with this to I help you find okay. a new direction in whatever it is that you're doing. When it, when it comes to changing minds and help you really grasp onto something that I would really wish that you would take home, what would that be? Yeah. Uh, okay. It, it, to me, it would be, and I'm going to reiterate kind of the earlier piece, that, that, that 25%. Yeah, first of all, it would be to have more empathy for people who are in sales. Maybe that isn't your profession, but um, like I said, there's good ones and bad ones. Um, please, just because you see it on a business card or you, or you hear it, don't, don't assume that every salesperson is, is out for blood. It's, it's not true. But for your, yourself, for your own, please remember, as we said, and I, and I gave you that first building block, that when you uh, do this for another individual, and you know, it doesn't have to be aging parents. There's so many different moments in every day that you come face to face with. When you invest in the skills needed to change somebody's mind ethically and honestly yeah. for their good and not yours, you perform one of the greatest gifts you'll ever give somebody. Um, and, and don't be ashamed to, to ask the tougher questions. Be proud. That's awesome. His name's Rob Jollis. The book is entitled How to Change Minds, The Art of Influence Without Manipulation. Fabulous book. You need to get it. It's available Amazon, favorite bookstores all over the place. Uh, it's also available in a Kindle version as well. I'm holding up the paperback. I know that you people listening to the podcast cannot see that, uh, but it's also available in hardcover too, correct, Rob? Jay, it's available. I think it's, I'm not so sure about hardcover, it? but it's available in audio. Oh, um, and um, and how about this technology that nobody seems to like, uh, but a great technology. It's in an enhanced ebook, if you can believe that. Meaning, it's an ebook with about 26 minutes of video in there. And what I did was, I actually, for some of these process pieces, uh, videotaped role plays and have the different techniques coming up and down off the screen. I think it's a tremendous technology. I can just tell you that for some reason, we as a country are not jumping on it, but we should. There's certain books cool. like this one, I think, that um, really benefit from a little bit more video in there. Yeah, awesome. So, yeah, I, it is yeah. available on audio book uh, through Amazon, by the way, or one credit, uh, if you have credits like I do. And you can, and Rob, did you read the book 
by the way? I did. Oh, see, I did. See, this is going to be more fun. I, I read my own books, too, and this is going to be more fun because if Rob's going to do it, you know it's going to be great. And so uh, check out the book, the book, again, uh, titled How to Change Minds, uh, The Art of Influence Without Manipulation. Rob, stay with me for just a second. Folks, that's the show. I told you it was going to be fun. It was going to be funny. Uh, I'm wiping tears out of my eyes. I've laughed so hard. And at the same time, he has inspired me, as he always does. And he has given me more than I could possibly give him. And I am so grateful for him. I'm grateful for you. You know, we are now being downloaded in over 17 countries around the world. I am, I never expected that. And I am so grateful to all of the countries around this amazing world that we live in, from Israel to India to Ireland to Italy. And it's not just the eyes. There's Portugal, and Austria, and all these other countries, that the Netherlands and Sweden, that just download the show. I, I, I can't say but thank you, and I am grateful, and it blows me away every time you download the show. So thank you so much, UK. You download the show regularly, and I'm so appreciative. And this great country of ours, Chicago, thanks. And Washington, D.C., from Washington, D.C. to L.A., from New York City to San Diego, from San Francisco to Orlando, I thank you, all of you for downloading the show. It's been an amazing it's been an amazing ride, and I'm enjoying every minute of it, and I can't thank you all enough. Folks, what I tell you every week, and it's this, be inspired, because if you're inspired, that means you're going to inspire someone else. And when you inspire someone else, they in turn can do the same for others. And when we do that for each other, we can make this world an outstanding place. I will talk to you next week with another amazing guest. Talk to you soon. Ciao, everybody. Find your strength